Hello? Open the door. What are you doing? I'm getting pissed. Today we're talking about Ellen Ray Greenberg. A 27-year-old, newly engaged, happy and healthy woman is found stabbed 20 times in her sixth floor apartment and her death is ruled a suicide. The crazy thing is, this ruling might be right. Oh Michael, this is so strange, how could this be? Well that's why we're covering it on here, you guys know this shit by now. I'm your host Michael and this is Strange and Unexplained. Let's get into it. Ellen Greenberg was sent home from her teaching job early on January 26, 2011, after a rare blizzard hit the city. She taught first grade at Juanita Park Academy in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And after helping all her students get to their car or bus, Ellen headed home, stopping to fill her car with gas first. She arrived home where she was joined by her fiancé, Samuel Goldberg. Sam claims he left to go to the in-house gym and then returned about 45 minutes later. When he attempted to enter the apartment, he found that it was locked from the inside. The Venice Loft apartments were all equipped with large swing locks you see very often in hotel rooms. It's the same basic concept of the chain locks on doors, but instead of using a chain, it uses a large swing arm, allowing the door to be pushed open only slightly before the arm is engaged. Sam claims he couldn't get the door open, so he started texting Ellen. Hello? Open the door. What are you doing? I'm getting pissed. Hello? You better have an excuse. What the fuck? Ah! And the final text reading, you have no idea. He attempted to call her several times and even emailed her, but she responded to nothing. After trying for somewhere between 30 minutes and an hour, Sam left and headed back downstairs, where he claims he filled the security guard in on what had happened, hoping he would let him into the room. But the man told him he was not allowed to break into anyone's apartment or let anyone in because of company policy which, that checks out. Sam then returns to the apartment and proceeds to bang on the door until the latch was broken loose enough for him to enter the apartment. Sam did change his story here a little, claiming that the guard was present at the time he broke the door, but the guard later stated that he wasn't there. There was damage to the bolt latch, but not to any other part of the door. The screws on the latch had been pushed out, which was consistent with it being forced open. Sam was shocked to find Ellen dead on their kitchen floor. She had been stabbed 20 times. Ten of the wounds were to the back of her neck, 
and a knife was still sticking out of her chest, which Sam didn't even notice at first. At 6.33 p.m., Sam called 911. When the operator told him to administer CPR, Sam asked, Do I have to? Three minutes in, he told the operator a knife was sticking out of Ellen's chest and that he hadn't noticed it at first, stating, quote, She must have fallen on it. The operator immediately told Sam to stop CPR. The knife was a 12.5 centimeter or about 5 inch serrated blade that went about 10 centimeters or 4 inches deep. That was her deepest wound. The knife came from the knife block on Ellen's counter, and two additional knives were found in the sink but showed no signs of blood. I couldn't find if those knives were ever actually tested for blood. It was more of a visual exam, from what I can tell. And according to the medical examiner, she suffered an injury to her aortic arch, the upper lobe of her left lung, her liver, and also a cervical spinal injury to C2 and C3. By the time police arrived, Ellen was already dead and Sam was surrounded by family and friends that had rushed to his side, because according to some sources, 911 was not the first number Sam called. They alleged that Sam first called his parents, and then an uncle, who also happens to be an attorney. The police report describes Sam as flanked by family and friends when they showed up on the scene. Ellen's death was initially considered a homicide, but after a minimal amount of investigation, police couldn't find any evidence that anyone else had entered the apartment and so considered her death a suicide. Even the medical examiner changed their ruling to suicide after the police publicly stated that they disagreed with the initial ruling. The police based their suicide theory on the fact that they could not place anyone else at the crime scene. According to the security footage and key fob data, no one unauthorized came or went from the building during the time Ellen was murdered. Not no one, just no one unauthorized. The footage also backed Sam's initial timeline. Also, the balcony was quickly ruled out as a possibility since it was not only six floors up, but also fresh snow had just fallen that day, and the snow on Ellen's balcony was completely undisturbed. Police brought in an outside expert who they claimed specialized in spinal injuries. That expert said that it was possible for Ellen to stab herself this many times because one of the injuries to the back of her neck nicked the spinal cord, which he argued would have made her numb to the rest of the wounds. I don't know, that's a bit of a stretch, if you ask me, but let's read on. However, conflicting experts hired by Ellen's parents, Sandra and Josh, state that the nick to the spinal cord would have further incapacitated Ellen, making it nearly impossible for her to continue stabbing. He said that would have made her most likely unconscious. The wounds to the back of her neck are also at an upwards angle. Again, there are conflicting experts with conflicting opinions on whether she could have been able to inflict those wounds. The wounds are not very deep and thus leans to the argument that maybe she did do them. There were also 10 additional wounds on her chest and abdomen. Some of the wounds were very shallow even less than a centimeter, and are therefore classified as superficial and assumed done by Ellen as well. This woman would have had to insert and remove this knife nine times. Why would she do this to herself? From a psychological standpoint, many experts argue that she would not have been able to continue to this extreme. However, Ellen was struggling with anxiety and stress at the time in her life, and recently had been placed on several different medications. Her doctor did mention that Ellen was uneasy about taking medication, but eventually came around to it. She was prescribed Zoloft and Xanax, 
both of which failed to have any impact. So she was switched to Ambien and Clonopin, which Ellen seemed to respond to pretty well. The two drugs found in her system at the time of death were those prescribed to her, and she appeared to be taking them as instructed. Investigators also claimed that they found on her recent search history a few red flags. According to them, she had searched for painless suicide and quick suicide. However, in recent news, the FBI claims that when they re-examined her laptop, they found no such search history. Also, when police interviewed the neighbors in the building, there, were, there was no one who had heard any loud noises or sounds of yelling, and I find this odd since Sam said he was out in the hall banging on the door and then also broke the door down, and no one heard it. It's also odd that when asked about the couple, there were also no complaints or reports of yelling or loud noise ever. There was no one who said they saw this coming. When Ellen's psychologist was interviewed, she claimed Ellen didn't show any suicidal tendencies. And when she asked about Sam, Ellen spoke very highly of him and said he was not abusive in any way. Ellen's parents also spoke positively about Sam and had no knowledge of abuse. She had mostly talked to her therapist about her job and just being stressed out over it. But when interviewed, the teacher who replaced her said that she couldn't find any problems in her lesson plans or with the students. She claimed Ellen was very organized, and the students all seemed well-behaved, nothing out of the norm. Now that's not to say that there weren't things that stressed out Ellen that didn't stress out this new teacher. And I find it odd that they even interviewed her. It's like, oh, is everything cool here? As if you're going to have the exact same perceptions and ideas about this classroom and how to run it. Oh, okay, everything's cool for you? Okay, well, everything must have been cool for her. Well, no big deal. <laughs> but Ellen had started seeing the doctor because of her mother's insistence on it. Her family claimed she did seem really stressed and anxious, but she was also working and planning a wedding at the same time. There was nothing that indicated that she was suicidal. Even the events of the day that she died, do not line up with a suicidal person. She stopped, put gas in her car, in the middle of a blizzard. And she was in the middle of making a fruit salad when she just started stabbing herself. It sounds absolutely insane. But when you consider the fact that there is no evidence that Sam or anyone else was in the apartment, it seems even more perplexing. If someone did kill her, where is the evidence? In such a bloody way to kill someone, a messy way, where is the evidence? With the mess caused by Ellen's wounds, this person would have been covered in blood. There would have been some kind of trail or blood splatter pattern or maybe even evidence of a cleanup. According to the reports, there were no such signs. The blood was contained to just that spot in the kitchen. She did have a large gash on top of her head, which could explain a lot if we knew whether or not she was knocked out. But Ellen's body also had been covered in many bruises that no one could explain. The examiner marked it up to contact sports or something. She was known to do Pilates and yoga, so we all know how rough those can be. She had bruises on her arms and legs, and they were all in different stages of healing. But again, some people just bruise easily, and there was nothing to indicate abuse or violence. There was also no evidence of a struggle in Ellen's apartment. All her belongings were found right where they were left. But there were also no suicide notes. No goodbyes. No nothing left behind for loved ones. She had not acted abnormal or suicidal. Days before her death, she had mailed out to save the date cards, for Christ's sake, to friends and family for her wedding. If Sam was not a threat to her, 
Is it possible that someone else was? Was there someone in her life threatening or abusing her? Was she suffering from inner demons that ended up being more than she could handle? Did medication have a negative side effect resulting in a freak reaction or psychological break? Many have turned to this as being the most likely scenario if no one else was responsible. Justifying it by saying that maybe the side effect of the medication caused a mental break that resulted in self-harm. Is it even physically possible that she could stab herself that many times? Even the medical examiner mentioned how it was also odd that the wounds were inflicted over the clothing and that it is unusual to see that in any suicidal persons. It seems so unlikely that Ellen killed herself so dramatically and so painfully, but we are not naive enough. (laughs) Here in the true crime world, we are not naive enough to think that it can't happen. Definitely seen stranger things. But this case leaves us with more questions than we started with. Maybe in the near future, Sandra and Josh Greenberg will get the investigation that they've been fighting for, and the answers that they are longing for. Since Ellen's death, Sam has stayed very quiet, but he has cooperated with police, and until he remarried, he kept in touch with the Greenbergs. So pretty good relationship there, but he did remarry, and he did move on. And speaking of moving on, it's time to move on to that part of the show where I gotta give my opinion. I gotta gotta make a decision. I don't even... I've been dreading this part of the show just since I've been reading this timeline. I still haven't decided. I haven't listened to uh, Lauren's synopsis. Um, I try not to before I play it for you guys so you get an honest comparison. Um, I really don't know where I stand with this case, right? Because you can't put anyone there. Obviously, the boyfriend is kind of sketchy, but a lot of the things that he did that were off-color, like lying about the security guard, he probably just said the security guard was there just as an extra thing. You know how when, a, when you're a kid and you witness something, you're like, yeah, 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 but but Danny saw it too, you know, or whatever. So it's like you bring somebody else in and then now it's more credible, apparently. Um, so maybe he was trying to do that. And then as far as having his uncle, the lawyer, come in early on the scene and be one of the first people there, I think that's just to protect him. He has to know that he's going to be the number one suspect in this. He was the only one there. So if he didn't do it, he still has to know he's going to be the number one suspect. But then, okay, so it sounds pretty crazy that he could pull this off and no one hear anything. Someone gets stabbed 20 times. What the fuck? Um, That No one hear anything. It sounds absurd. Absolutely absurd. But it doesn't sound as absurd as someone stabbing themselves 20 times. I don't care. Okay, so you nick the spinal cord. I'm, I'm thinking like if you nick your spinal cord, especially close to your brain at that upper, in those upper C123s or whatever, I, I don't think you're going to be like, oh, I don't feel pain anymore. I think we're good. I think the chances of that are pretty slim. I think uh, you've got a higher chance of being incapacitated. And that could have been... Um, how she fell. Who knows? Maybe she fell and that's how she busted her head open. Is Maybe she stabbed herself in the chest. She was trying to kill herself, right? And that's where all those short, superficial wounds came from. And then she thought, well, maybe I can try to stab myself in the back of the head or maybe straight to the brain and it'll be over. She was unable to do that. This sounds absurd, right? This is uh, it's, it's almost impossible to put yourself in this frame of mind. So then... But maybe that was enough 
to numb her, or maybe she was holding it in front of her, trying to stab herself again, and she did fall on it after the stab to the back of the neck. That's, I don't know. And then that would also give some more clout to him saying that maybe she fell on it. There was something that indicated that. Maybe he rolled her over. Maybe she was on her stomach when he found her. Um, still a lot of questions to this case, and I, I honestly, I, I don't know. I can't pick. I feel like someone must have done this to her, but it also, it just don't add up. But he did have time. If he'd done this to her before he went to the gym, he had 45 minutes at the gym. 45 minutes. And all he would have had to do was go down there, scan his key card, right? So you had the little your little apartment key card to get into all the facilities. And... um. All we had to do was scan that and then go back to the room, commit the murder. But how was the door locked from the inside? And he was on the outside. That's tricky. There's ways of doing it, though. And there's also ways, if you go on, <laughs> I've seen there's ways with a string and shit that you can get in those locks. You can get in them. Now, if you can get in them, you sure as hell could lock them, right, from the outside. And I think that's his ace in the hole. If he did do it, that was the smartest thing he did was lock that door from the inside and then break it. Unless he did that in anger, chasing her into the apartment. We don't know. And just because she didn't say anything about any domestic abuse and just and violence and whatnot in the household doesn't mean that wasn't happening. Those bruises could have very well came from him. Or um, if she taught small kids... Small children, they tend to come up and, you know, run into your legs, bang on your legs. They, hey, uh, excuse me, miss, miss, miss. You know, you sing that all the time. My mom, my mom helped with kindergarten, so I remember after school, she had she had uh, duties or whatnot that she had to do, and so I would walk to her school, which was just down the street, and I uh, would do my homework in there with a bunch of freaking rowdy ass kindergartners who were waiting for their parents to pick them up and whatnot. And they were. They're. I mean, they're worse than your. They're worse than your kids at home. There's like twenty of them. You know what I'm saying? They're all. They're all patting your legs and wanting your attention and and uh, no, you know, not on purpose. But someone who bruises easily that could explain a lot of the bruises over on her legs and whatnot. Um, and and maybe not. Maybe that's maybe that's off base. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's that's not plausible. I know most people aren't gonna bruise from a pat from a kindergartner, but who knows. Who knows, that could be, it could be something. I mean, it wouldn't be the strangest thing about this case, would it? It sure as hell wouldn't. So, so yeah, so there's my confusing roundabout synopsis ramble uh, that really didn't choose any sides. I really can't. I really can't, guys. I, I don't see how someone could do this to themselves, and I don't see how someone could do this to someone and get away with it that, that scot-free. But who knows, maybe he had a lot of help from family. I don't know. I mean, if we're referring to the the boyfriend, the fiance, maybe he was getting cold feet, right? He needed a way out. Who knows? All right, guys, that's all for me. Let's jump into the Lorne synopsis and let's get a fresh OP. That's, a, that's opinion. That's not the abbreviation for opinion. Ah, just play the music. Just, just go. It's time for Lorne. It's time for Lauren Synopsis, breaking down the case like 
breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren synopsis. Breaking down the case like breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren synopsis. Breaking down the case like breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. What's up, people? Lauren here. Here to get my thoughts on this week's Strange and Unexplained. The brutal death of 27-year-old elementary school teacher Ellen Greenberg from Philadelphia, who on January 26, 2011, returned home from work uh, early due to a blizzard having hit the area. She lived in a six-floor apartment with her fiancé, Samuel Goldberg, who was actually a television producer for NBC. Um, and, you know, by all accounts, she had had a normal day. She'd spoken to her mother on the phone and had a good conversation with her and uh, went about her business. Um, I believe she was cutting up some fruit in the kitchen when her fiancé left to go to the gym um, and would return to the apartment uh, after about 30 to 45 minutes. He would find that the door was locked, which he found a little bit weird, used his key to unlock the door, and found that the sliding deadbolt was engaged. Very weird, um, he found, and uh, began texting her, which the text got more increasingly aggressive, which I could actually understand. It's like, why'd you... Lock the deadbolt. Why is, what is going on? Why aren't you answering? Come unlock the door. Let me in. There's a blizzard outside. Uh, I just got done working out. I can imagine him being sweaty or whatnot. I can see why you'd be frustrated. Um, he would then go to get the security guard at the complex to help him to get the door open, which they would ultimately kick the door open, uh, which was Samuel's story. Um, that would change. The details of that would be disputed later on. I'll get to that. Inside, he would find his fiance propped up, sitting up with a knife uh, sticking out of the front of her. Um, and she'd been stabbed 20 times, including 10 to the back, uh, to her back and in her neck, penetrating deep even into her brain. Um, there were also 11 bruises in various stages uh, on her right arm and abdomen and right leg. Um, there was no forced entry, though, to the apartment. There was no defensive wounds on her hands, which you would expect unless she was attacked from behind uh, and caught off guard. But who would have attacked her, you know, if it wasn't Samuel, who could have gotten to her and attacked her by surprise like that? There was no suicide note, um, which suicide was suspected, and actually it was ruled a suicide initially, um, surprisingly, shockingly, honestly. And this is an extraordinarily rare way to commit suicide. It's rare to commit suicide by knife. It's even more rare to commit suicide by knife by stabbing yourself 20 times, half of them being in the back of you, you know, in the back of your neck. Very bizarre. That being said, she had been struggling with depression as of late. Her parents had noticed a change in her behavior. She was on four different medications, or she'd been prescribed four different medications, including Zoloft, and two of them were in her system, not all four, which I found would be a little bit odd. I don't know what the details of her, you know, uh, diagnosis were or what uh, she was prescribed to take it or how much she was prescribed to take on a daily basis. But if she was only taking half the medication she was supposed to take, you could see how that could create issues. Now, initially upon studying this case, as hard as it is to believe, I just like, I was leaning towards her actually committing suicide until I heard that Samuel may have been lying about his story when he went to the gym and returned home. Uh, it, new information came out that he had not gone and talked to the security guard. The, uh, they would later talk to the security guard and find out that he never left his post that day, that he had never gone up there and helped Samuel gain entry into his apartment, that apparently Samuel had gained entry to his own apartment and kicked that door in himself. 
It was also noted that he went to the gym, supposedly, but he was wearing work boots, which is a little bit odd. I mean, maybe because of the the blizzard walking through the complex, he chose to wear those and then, I don't know, went barefoot or maybe, I don't, I don't know. But I thought that was a little bit odd as well, that you would go to the gym wearing work boots. Um, but the door thing is almost impossible for me to get past. I, I don't know why you would lie about that if you were innocent and she had actually committed suicide. And I don't know, frankly, why the police didn't in, immediately, upon responding to this scene, go and try to find the security guard and get his side of the story. You know, like he was apparently there when they discovered this body and you don't want to talk to him. And it takes however long to find out the truth that he wasn't there. Cause that just looks really damning upon Samuel in a scenario where it's such a rare uh, suicide case, you know, apparently it, it looks like a murder and you were the last person to see her. And now you're lying about how you gained into the in, entry to the apartment where you find her. And then he would never speak publicly um, to like the media or anything like that, which I don't know. I don't know what you would have to gain from doing that when all eyes are on you, but I don't know, dude, it, it doesn't look good on his part. The, the door thing, I can't get past it. Um, I understand she was going through some struggles. I, and this routine, the routine was a little bit off. I don't know what went on. Maybe she returned home and who knows? I, I it ran through my head like maybe she returned home early and he wasn't expecting her and he was doing something that she didn't approve of and maybe they had an argument and it escalated and that that's what became of it. Maybe he was not ready to get married. I don't know. This is all just obviously speculation and I hate uh, casting, you know, like uh, blame towards someone who may have been a victim. This He may have really loved Ellen and had nothing to do with her death and you know like everybody's pointing at him that's got to be tough if you actually didn't do it but at the same time I, I like i said i can't get past the door thing and i find it hard to believe that ellen although she was struggling uh mentally at the time she was on medication she was according to her parents doing better and it's just hard to believe that she would have committed suicide in this fashion that anybody would in that fashion it's very bizarre and there was no, like I said, signs of forced entry. The the latch thing, I think, um, allowed him, uh, Samuel, to avoid a lot of uh, scrutiny right away because they assumed that he couldn't have latched that door from the outside, but it's been proven that you can. People online have shown that it's fairly easy to latch a door like that from the outside if you were so inclined. Um, so man, I don't know. I think I'm leaning towards Samuel may, may have had something to do with this, but obviously I don't know every detail of this case. I've only studied it for, you know, a, a day or two. So, but yeah, I, 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 just the door thing. I can't get past the door thing. So, um, definitely tragic. I know her parents, Ellen's parents have been obsessed with finding the truth. They refuse to believe that their daughter killed herself in this fashion and they want to know the truth and they're not going to stop and they've hired expert after expert to re-examine uh, the case, and uh, there's been mixed reviews. You know, there's been some that have said it's a suicide, some that have said it's a homicide. Um, some have said there's no way she could have stabbed herself in the fashion that she did, uh, you know, as deeply as she did, and continued to stab herself afterwards, like the one that penetrated the back of her neck so deep that when it, it went into her brain, how could she have then taken the knife out and put it into her chest? Um and apparently the knife was found in her left hand and she was right-handed. Just all these little details, you know, they just they just don't sit right. They don't sit right. And uh, 
her fiance's odd behavior and lies and also possibly shoddy police work. I don't, like I said, I don't know how you don't go talk to that security guard right away, but that's my thoughts. I hope you guys enjoyed it and uh, I'll see you next week. All right. All right. Thank you, Lauren. Yeah. The door thing is a hard thing to get past, isn't it? I mean, like we talked about, I said the same thing. Lauren knows he's seen those videos online where those people can unlock and latch those doors um, with nothing more than like a piece of string. Honestly, it's it's pretty incredible. Um, but so it's it's totally doable. And the work boots thing, the work boots thing is kind of weird. I'd forgotten about that. So there is some stuff that don't add up, right? And then the only evidence that he is in the gym or was in the gym, as far as I'm concerned, is the uh, the entrance key card that scanned that was assigned to him. Only evidence he was in the gym. Like I said, you can go down there, scan your card, don't go in, go back to the house. Um, now I don't I don't know per se if I didn't find anything that said that the knife reached her brain. Um, all I could find was that, for sure, was that it nicked the spinal column. And it was some very, <laughs> very important incision in the, in the spinal column up close to the back of the neck. So, could be. Could absolutely be. Maybe the bottom, the brain stem. I could definitely see maybe nicking the brain stem um, going through that area right there. So, yeah. You guys want a brain scratch. This, this is one of the most uh, confusing cases of that that we've done honestly and but i think a lot of it has to do with the police work as well like lauren says i don't know why you don't talk to that security guard right away um you know and like i was saying earlier it it can go either way like lying about it could he could have done that just to because he thought well this is a harmless way to ensure and there's probably video cameras so that security guard could look up on the camera and see me doing this or doing that um but yes, yeah, so the security guard claims he never went up to the door with him to open it. So nobody knows how that door got opened and when it got opened. And also, like I mentioned multiple times in the episode, no one heard any banging. Like how hard, it's gotta be, it takes more than one kick, right? To fucking open that damn thing. I, I don't know. I just don't think he's going up there, even with his boots on, with his fucking combat boots on, I don't think he's, he's, Fucking one kicking Spartan kicking this door open the first try. I think he's hitting that thing a few times. Those are heavy-ass doors to these apartment complexes. They put those locks on. So, I don't know. You guys let me know what you think. It's a strange, strange twisted tale. It's a seesaw back and forth, and I uh, thought you guys would enjoy it. And if you enjoy this show in general, go leave us a review, right? What are you doing? What are you doing? Got some new reviews this week. Want to give some shout-outs? Go leave a review like uh, uh, Shells, Shells ZJ did. Says, five stars, another great podcast. Love listening to SNU. You're always a delight to listen to. P.S. True Crime Guys is pretty fabulous, too. Thank you, Shells. Thank you so much. Uh, also, like to give a big old shout-out to Chai Americano, the original SNU. A few months ago, I found SNU by searching for another podcast by the same name. Around the time it was advertised on Unsolved Mysteries. It turns out I like this Sandu much better and gave up on the other one. Well, <laughs> well, all right. Well, I'm glad you found me uh, either way. So thanks so much. Also, uh, want to give a big shout out to Steiner, Steiner Lupin, Steiner LPN, N Steiner, nailed it. Uh, it says, long live S. 
SNU, five stars. Absolutely love that I came across SNU a few weeks ago. I'm a home health nurse and spend countless hours in my car. Uh-oh. Audible's got old, and I wanted to try something different. I struggled finding a show that I clicked with. I started with Other Strange and Unexplained and have to say... Oh, oh. No, we won't we won't talk about the other strange and unexplained on here i guess we already have enough so there's there's some advertisement there's other shows called strange and unexplained in case you guys didn't know but um i'm sure they're great i I don't really have time to listen to them but i'm sure they're great but thank you guys you can listen to both it's no big deal i'm sure you have plenty of time there's no way i can put out enough content uh for you to hear both or for you to hear just mine all right uh, and one more review from Riley13 says, Love it. I'm addicted to true crime podcasts, and this gives me a break from that. Plus, you get to learn about unusual things you'd otherwise never know about. So cool, 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 cool. Gives you a break from that. What is that supposed to mean? This is a true crime podcast. I'm kidding. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I get it. I, I, I have a way of, of bringing the cases a little lighter, right? Yeah. I'm a lighthearted person. I don't take myself too serious. I don't want to be too dark with it. You know what I mean? It's already dark enough. I want to I want to spoon feed it to you guys so you can get the information, get the knowledge, but not be awake all night with terrified nightmares, right? Sometimes, sometimes I do things to scare you. Yeah, that's it's, it's true crime, right? That's that's all in good fun. All in good fun. But anyways, guys, I want to thank you so much. Um if you have left a review. If you enjoy this show and you want to support this show on any level, check out patreon.com slash podcast. Uh, for just three bucks a month, you get early access to all of these strange and unexplained episodes. They will be released on Thursdays instead of Mondays. And then you also get access to strange shorts, which I release on every Monday as well. And also another show that I'm bringing back. Some of you may be familiar with a show called Higher Thoughts. That is only on the True Crime Guys Patreon. Season 1 is on True Crime Guys Patreon on the $2 tier, I believe. Um, it's like 35 episodes. But Season 2, Episode 1, the pilot episode of Season 2, will drop this Saturday on uh, patreon.com slash podcast for the Patreon for this podcast on the $3 tier. So I put it on the lowest tier because I hope that if anybody was a True Crime Guys patron... And then wanted to jump over here, you know, it's just three more dollars and you get your old higher thoughts back, right? All right, guys. Well, I appreciate it either way. I appreciate any way that you support this podcast just by spreading the word, just by telling your, telling your brother, telling your sister, telling a neighbor, whatever. That helps tremendously. So thank you, guys. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to do this. And uh, remember, just be strange and uh, just don't be strange. It's all right. I'll see you guys next week. See ya. Check, check, testing, and a one and two, and I'm so ready to record for you. Pa, 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 pa. How does this mic sound? How does it sound if I get kind of loud? Does it get too close to peaking? Nope, it looks pretty good. I think this is a good volume to record. Ha! Test, test. Testing, one, two, three. Nice.